Welcome to the Sales Tips for Pros podcast, brought to you by the Canadian Professional Sales Association. Welcome to another CPSA podcast. I'm your host, Bill Bannum, and today I am joined by James Murr. For sales professionals, team leaders, and organizations across the country, the Canadian Professional Sales Association is your partner in building knowledge and skills to improve sales performance. The CPSA is the advocate for excellence in sales. We invest resources in programming, curriculum development, and professional designations to help individuals and companies become more successful through effective sales. We connect employers and employees, business with academia, and the private sector with government to advance the sales profession and improve Canadian competitiveness. Learn more at cpsa.com and remember to subscribe to the cpsa podcast through itunes google play and more james welcome to the show thanks for having me on bill it's great to be back we are talking about a pretty cool topic today we are talking about uh, getting into the nitty-gritty the big details and the small details when it comes to understanding your client base and your prospects so uh, the topic for today's chat is based on a a recent blog post by James uh, called what does an ideal prospect look like so James firstly before we get into the details uh, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself sure well uh, of course my name is James Muir I am the president of best practice international I'm also the author of the best-selling book the perfect close and my background is in the B2B healthcare space, and uh, I've been fortunate enough to be able to speak uh, some of the largest names in both healthcare and technology over the years. Uh, at Best Practice International, we specialize in B2B complex sales, and uh, what we do here is we make entrepreneurs, salespeople, and executives as effective as, as they can be. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Now let's uh, let's get into... The, the details in terms of uh, ways to define who one's best ideal prospect is. Talk to us a bit about the demographics and the psychographic considerations uh, when, when trying to sure. understand your, your ideal prospects. Yeah, sure. So I think maybe just as a framework before we look at uh, our ideal target, it's important to look at the, the four key areas. Yeah, when we're trying to increase the um, the impact of our prospecting, there's four key areas that are, in fact, the highest leverage areas. And one is market, two is message, three is medium, and fourth is motivation. And so uh, when we're talking about number one, that's the market, that's who are we selling to, um, identifying an ideal target is really um, about that. And, um, you know, one of my uh, clients asked me uh, a, a while back, he says, well, what's the single biggest thing you can do to improve sales? And, um, and then you might think that my answer, you know, to that question, being a uh, an author of a best-selling book on closing, is that it, that it would be closing, but it isn't. In fact, that is absolutely the single most effective thing that you can do uh, in sales is to sell to only ideal candidates. And the reason for that is because everything else is downstream from there. Uh, and so, you know, no amount of brilliant messaging or computer automation or just brute force effort can actually compensate for selling to the wrong people. Uh, because with, you know, when we sell to the wrong prospect, all of our efforts are going to fall uh, on deaf ears. So it, it's it's garbage in and garbage out. And um, and so one of the you know biggest crimes uh, in selling, I would say, is selling to the to the wrong prospect. It's really just the biggest waste of time ever. When you're selling to the wrong prospect, you get more objections, you get the longest, slowest sales cycle, you get the lowest margins, uh, lowest commissions, you have more headaches after the sale, and in some cases, these guys even become uh, anti-references, uh, right? And so, um, as sales professional. Um, you know, time is all we have. It's our only resource. And so the Pareto principle dictates that 20% of our opportunities are going to consume 
80% of our time. So it's really critical that we make sure that those 20% are ideal uh, candidates with a high probability of closing. And what I can tell you is, uh, is that a challenger that I see as a manager and a coach over and over again, I see this, is that reps are, will engage anything that moves, whether it's good or bad. And then in this downward spiral, spiral they continue to pour their valuable time into these weak uh, prospects. And this uh, is especially true for new reps, I would say, um, they don't, because they don't know what an ideal customer looks like, and so they're desperate to get anything in their pipeline and, uh, and prove that they're a good hire. And when that happens, um, if they get towards the end of their sale, and, and when, when these deals have all st uh, stalled out, they call me hoping that there's just some magic thing that they can do or they can say that will turn this bad prospect into a good one, and that, it, it can't happen. So discipline needs to be applied at the very beginning of the process in order to protect your precious time. Um, so the thing is, you only work with good prospects and refuse to work with weak prospects. Instead, you want to invest that into ideal prospects. And that really is a key point. And that is that you're really better off finding an ideal prospect than to continue to waste time on non-ideal customers. And I know that's tough medicine, right? And you say you might want to let that sink in for a minute, right? Even though you've got an engaged prospect on the line, if it's not an ideal prospect, you're better off making them a lower priority and going out and finding an ideal prospect. And and so it's it's shifting the effort from engaging, which I know is a lot more fun, to prospecting, which a lot of salespeople consider less fun. So um, the, the, the highest really leverage of your time is to focus on only ideal high probability prospects to begin with. Right. Uh, if you let yourself work on you know, garbage accounts and what you're going to get is garbage results. So, like I said before, no amount of brilliant messaging or automation or brute force effort can compensate for that. And if, you, if they just get this one thing right all by itself, it'll make you massively uh, successful. And, and the reason is, is because focusing on ideal high probability prospects is literally the highest leverage strategy that you can employ, period. And that's what the data proves, right? All other strategies are downstream from that particular one. All right, so with all that said, um, you know, how do we know what a ideal customer looks like? And um, so to give us ourselves a jump start on that, then there's some criteria that we should be looking at. And I would kind of break this criteria into two different categories. One is around demographics. And if you've never heard that term, these are sort of the measurable things about the, 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 the personality or about the market that you're serving. And that would include things like the industry or the segment um, or the size. You know, how many employees do they have or how much revenue do they have or volume drivers? Do they do X amount of volume in a given month or a given year? Um, are, is that organization centralized or decentralized? Are they growing or are they shrinking? Or do they have a particular problem that they, 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 is a stated challenge that they have? Or is there a, a type of a need or a specific requirement that they have? Or uh, are the people in a given geographic location? Um, and so all of these are demographics. They're just sort of facts about the client and why those are important. Uh, there's a couple of reasons, and, and, but, but probably the biggest thing is, is once we've got those defined, then we can go and look at databases to help identify who matches that demographic. And then that is the first step that we can take to try to narrow down the list to just ideal customers. Um, the second area, I would say, is uh, psychographics. And uh, psychographics are more around the mindset of that client. So maybe we've got someone that meets our demographic, but if they don't have the right psychographic, then they, again, they may not be a ideal customer. And so some of the things to think about um, in terms of psychographics is, you know, are they willing to address their problem? 
or are they willing to improve their situation? You know, um, have uh, they, do they have certain stated goals or business objectives? Um, do they feel certain challenges? Right? Do they have a, a big concern uh, that matches you know the, the area that you serve? Um, you know, what's their attitude towards improvement? Right? Are they um, are they getting the pressure from their boss or from a supervisor to improve something? Or are they afraid of a certain outcome? Or is there a given personality that you tend to do better with? You know, maybe you're at the early stage of the cycle, and so you you do well with innovators. So that these are all things around psychographics, and there's certainly a lot more than that. But um, these are things that uh, when we're meeting with the client, we can judge. Hey, this person's got the right mindset. I can tell these people are want to improve. They want, and that's a good match. So you might have somebody that matches demographics, but maybe you know is not in growth mode, or they're not trying to improve in any way. And of course, if the person is happy and uh, content with where they're at, then there's not really much of a sale uh, that can happen there. So. Um, Rather than continue on here, um, let me just throw it back to you, uh, Bill. I've gone on for just a little bit here, but these are just kind of two of the areas that we can focus on is demographics and psychographics. And demographics, you can use as criteria to find uh, people in a list and database. And then with psychographics, that's when we've kind of met with them or we can assess a little bit about where their mindset is around a certain set of challenges. And those two combined overlap are a good starting place. It's not the only thing. I'll give you some better stuff here in a second. but. Um, uh, this is a great place to start in terms of identifying who our ideal client is. Okay, thank you very much. So just to, to clarify one thing that you mentioned there, for, for our listeners today who perhaps uh, uh, have a picture of uh, the sales funnel in, in, in their mind as they listen to this, you're saying the, that the process where one understands and determines the demographics perhaps further up uh, that, that sales funnel and the... Uh, that the process when it comes to understanding the psychographics, that can only come once you get into uh, interpersonal communication. Yep, you nailed it. So demographics, we can help. We can, we can look at that prior to ever meeting with the client. Psychographics, we're really not going to be able to figure out until we've had a conversation. And so once we've had that conversation, we can start to assess whether or not that person has uh, the psychographics that we're looking for. There are a couple exceptions to that. You might discover that, you know, there are the, that someone is quoted in an article uh, of, you know, saying that they have a challenge or that they're trying to improve or something like that. So you might be able to ascertain a little bit uh, what the psychographics of a person might be just from things that they're posting uh, on social or something like that or articles that they're interviewed in. But for the most part, you're right on the money. For, you know, demographics is where we start. And then after we've had a conversation, we're going to assess the psychographics. Okay, so uh, in just a moment, we're going to drill down a bit more in terms of determining determining the ideal uh, prospects. Uh, but before we do, uh, just one more thing on the demographic side of things: Is it possible for for a company, say, that's looking to in the near to medium term future branch out into new industries? Say, is it possible for them to future proof the demographics, the the ideal target audience that they're going after? So maybe if they're in wholesale that might naturally lead into uh, uh, targeting retail in the future. So they shouldn't necessarily make uh, the, their, their data universe too small when they're going through that process. Or is that the wrong way of looking at it? Should, should you always loop back, James, and think, no, right now, who is the ideal uh, prospect? Well, I think uh, the key is um, to identify your ideal customer. The best thing to do is actually look at your current customers. And I guess we can talk about that more in a second. But um, where it's a challenge is if you're a startup company and you haven't sold to anybody yet, or you've got a new product and you think you, you're going to try to engage a new market with that, then you can't really use your existing clients as a, you know, as a, 
a rubric to determine who's going to be a good consumer. So is, in essence, what you're doing is you're going on a hypothesis. You're guessing that this market um, is going to be the way to go. And I would just say the first step there is not to go to the database, but instead to go to an actual person uh, that matches a, a given demographic and see if your product or solution can help them if you're in a new space. And then once you've found someone that is getting genuine value from that, then that's what you're going to use as the basis for the demographic criteria that you're going to use when you're branching out into a new market. But if you're a startup, right, you don't have a lot of new clients, then essentially what you're going with is a value hypothesis. And you're going to have to guess uh, what you think the demographics are. And then you're going to iteratively, as you start to close deals, you're going to start to see a pattern uh, to the people that are actually getting value out of it and are purchasing it. And then that'll help you dial in what the demographics are a little bit more as you go on. Okay, thank you very much. Now, you, you mentioned in, in your article uh, that using this criteria, the process to identify ideal prospects is pretty simple. Can you, can you now walk us through the three-step process? Uh, firstly, talk to us about why it is important to, to list your best customers. Yeah, so um, that, that's the process. And maybe we can just start with the steps and then we can uh, talk about what the impact of that is. And that is, you're, you're just going to identify who your best customers are. And then we're going to uh, define what the attributes are. So what are, what are the key things that, that these, all, all these clients that are your best clients, what do they have in common with each other? And, um, and then uh, once you've listed their defining attributes, when I say defining attributes, how big are they? They're basically the demographics, right? So define your, your, your list customers, uh, identify what their key demographics are, and then identify the commonalities between them, which could include you know, both demographics and psychographics, or it could be you know, even other you know, left field types of things. But that, that's about all there is to the process. It's really very simple. It's look at your existing client base and then use those as a, a way to create a template for the criteria that you're going to use for identifying ideal customers. And, of course, the, the, real, the reason that that's so important is because if, if we're selling to the wrong people or people that are the wrong criteria, then those deals end up being longer. They close at a slower rate. They create more objections. There's more challenges after the sale. So what we want to do is we want to create an ideal, perfect prospect so that we can focus our energy. If we had an infinite amount of time, we could go after everybody. But what we want to do is we want to be effective uh, with the time that we're going to put into it. And since we don't have an infinite amount of time, we want to make sure that every hour that we spend is with the most qualified prospect that has the greatest potential uh, to realize the benefit from our solution. Okay. So uh, you list your best customers, you identify the defining attributes, and you identify the commonalities. And, and then you mentioned that uh, that then gives you the criteria to identify your ideal customer, of which you say there are two most important criteria, which are problems and leverage. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah, absolutely. So this, this is actually, um, honestly, when people are assessing their own clients, these are the two things that they miss. And so um, this is a really important stuff for people to write down. Um, the, the two most important criteria, just what you said, those are problems and leverage. And it's really a key point, right? And that is that the problems that you solve actually determine who you sell to, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that again. The problems you solve determines who you sell to. Basically, you're looking for people that have those problems, right? Or said another way, problems are markets, right? If you think about, hey, everybody has this problem. That's our market, right, if you think about it that way. And so um, to know who your most ideal targets are, you need to do what's called a problem inventory. And a problem inventory is a collection of the problems that you solve for clients, right? And it's, you, know, ab you absolutely must know the, the, the specific problems that your uh, prospect has 
and the value that you bring them before you can craft any kind of message that's going to trigger them to engage with you. You've got to know it's not optional. It's absolutely mission-critical work that just has to be done if you're going to succeed in selling. Um, and nothing else can compensate for that, right? If you're communicating with the wrong person um, and you can't communicate what kind of value you're bringing, you're, you're, you're not going to have any success whatsoever. So this kind of work has to be done. So if you don't know, if you can't say, hey, what are the problems you solve? That's numero uno. Step, step number one is to identify what kind of problems you solve, right? So, the, so do that work. Um, and then once you've identified what those problems are that you solve, the next biggest question is, okay, well, who has those problems, right? Who has that? And um, it's, it's who has those problems and who has them in the biggest way that identifies our target market. So um, th that's uh, important work uh, to be using when we're identifying who our, um, our key uh, targets are. So um, rather than add more, um, why don't I throw it back to you, Bill? Um, any more clarification you want on that? No, and I, I think I think when you use that kind of language, when you, when you uh, when you say well, it's all about uh, the problems that you're looking to solve, solution selling, um, that that uh, that makes it pretty clear, right? Uh, ultimately, we're out there to try and help people solve their issues, and uh, and that's business. So, um, just one last question for you for today, James, and that is, how can our listeners connect with you, and how can they learn more about all the awesome work that you do? Oh, awesome. Um, well. Um, certainly, they're welcome to connect with me in any of the channels. I'm definitely active on uh, social, so they're welcome to connect with me on LinkedIn or Twitter uh, or even Facebook if they don't mind seeing my personal stuff. Uh, but really, the best way to stay in touch with all the, the latest stuff that we're putting out um, is to go to the website, which is puremuir.com, P-U-I-R-M-U-I-R.com. Um, and uh, sign up for the newsletter there. If they go to the, the newsletter, then um, they're going to see all the latest and most uh, interesting stuff that comes out as it comes out. Um, and when we get uh, you know new research and any of that, that it's my newsletter that gets uh, first access to that. And, uh, and so that's probably the best way to come in contact with me. But certainly uh, my web or my email address is on the site as well. So if you want to email me directly, I, I answer every email. Okay. Well, that just leaves me to say, James Muir, thank you very much for being a guest on the CPSA podcast. Thanks for having me on, Bill. It was great. And listeners, as always, until next time, happy selling. Thank you for listening to the Sales Tips for Pros show. Learn more about the training and benefits from the Canadian Professional Sales Association at cpsa.com.